0: Asama Dudes. It is Monday and you know what that means. It's another episode of Big Stake Energy coming at you live on the Out of Collective podcast network. My name is Tori Anderson. You can find me at Tori Aalina on Instagram. And I'm super stoked today because it is my first time doing an episode with our new co-host Indra. She is super freaking rad. Um, Renee's done a couple episodes with her so far, but this is my first opportunity, and I'm stoked to have her joining the Big Stick Energy and the Out of Collective fam, kind of doing an episode here and there. She's just an overall fantastic human being. But um, You can find her at Indra, I-N-D-R-U-H, on Instagram. She also started this awesome... Organization called Inclusivity, which is focused at unpacking some like colonialism in the ski industry and looking at how we can make it a more diverse, inclusive, and equitable place. So you can follow that um, that entire organization at i n c l u s k i v i t y on Instagram, and I highly recommend it. Highly recommend it. Um, this week we are talking to Tori Brooks. So Tori Brooks has a really interesting. Kind of backstory with skiing, like started ski racing. Kind of like burnt out, as many do. It's a really aggressive lifestyle. And today we unpack what it's like to basically put all of your self worth into goals and achieving goals, and just focusing on the objective, the mission, and how harmful that can be to creating community and your relationship with yourself and it's a really important conversation to have because I feel like a lot of us lose sight of the important things. Like the people are more important than the objective and it can kind of create this like cyclical harmful culture in the ski industry. So it was great to chat to her about it. Um, She's from the East coast. We talk about places that she loves to ski there. And she's also dedicated to kind of making those goals mean something by skiing for different charities and setting objectives where she can really give back. And yeah, it was just like a super pleasant conversation and talked about a lot of rad stuff. And like before we actually got into things, Indra's fire alarm went off like 14 times. So that was kind of casual. But um, once we got that sorted, it was an awesome episode. But um, yeah, if you guys feel so inclined, as we say every week, It would be awesome if you could leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're always looking for feedback to help make the show a little bit better. And just if you have feedback on different topics we should talk about or something that we did that you don't like or something that you do really like, even if you leave us a dad joke, it really helps us kind of like push this information forward and get this into more people's ears and just really grow our community. So yeah, if you feel so inclined, that would be rad. And before we dive into the episode today, we're just going to run through a couple ads because those doll hairs keep the the boat floating. So yeah, hope you guys have a great week. Hope you enjoy the episode and we'll see you next Monday. There are two things I always keep in my adventure kit and typically in my car for emergencies. One of them is my rumple blanket. The other one is my rumple towel because it is not fun to freeze your butt off when you make an assumption about how warm it's going to be on a camping trip. And it's also super sick to have the option to jump in a lake after biking and not have to dry yourself off with your t-shirt and then have to wear it the rest of the the camping trip, because we've all been there. Um, I am so excited to be partnering with Rumpel. And I absolutely love the products that I have gotten to them because there aren't a lot of blanket options on the market that are dedicated to sustainability. Uh, Rumpel has recycled over 5 million plastic water bottles a year and offsets their carbon footprint significantly. They also make weatherproof, durable, and cozy blankets with the same technical materials used in premium outdoor gear and activewear, And they're on just a, a, in general, a mission to introduce the world to a better blanket. So it kind of fits my idea of buy once cry ones with gear. Like quality is super important when you're out doing stuff. And it also fits into reducing your consumption habits to live a more sustainable lifestyle by purchasing products that actually last. And I absolutely freaking love mine. Um, they also look great in the outdoors or on the couch. It's kind of like a great addition to every aspect of your lives and also rad right now, they currently have a sale running from May 20th to May 30th for 25% off their entire website. So definitely go and check that out. If you are listening to this outside of that time span, we also have a discount code, it is out of bounds for 15% off eligible products on their website. So definitely go check that out. Can't recommend it enough. Hope you guys have a great day. Okay. So one of my biggest goals this season is to get comfortable planning my route for a backcountry trip. I had a friend point out recently that I am very knowledgeable and I help make navigation decisions and snow safety decisions when We're actually out in the backcountry, but when it comes to that pre-planning aspect, opening up a map, choosing where we're going to go, I usually let other people kind of take the reins. And I realized that that is a huge safety flaw in my knowledge and experience, and it's something that I want to work on. So I'm super pumped. That our uh, podcast sponsor on X is helping me realize those bad bitch dreams and I think their app is freaking dope and an awesome tool to help chicks feel and other people feel everybody feel more confident and independent uh, when it comes to making those decisions and participating group safety. It's it's basically a guidebook in your pocket that's intuitive and super easy to use because we all hate an app that doesn't work since we're addicted to convenience. Um, the premium subscription gives you access to offline GPS that allows you to save maps and locate yourself in the terrain you're in to make sure you're on route, which is awesome because I am so geographically challenged. Um, there there's over ten thousand guide quality routes with descriptions and photos. You can slope shade route plan place waypoints and view the landscape in 3D topo satellite, hybrid base maps. You also have access to other information like forecasts, land boundaries, recreation points, historic avalanche data. It's freaking bananas, all the stuff you get in there. But yeah, the the premium subscription is only $29 a year, which is so freaking cheap. And with the discount code that we have today, you get 20% off of that. So if you're scared of commitment like me, you can sign into a seven-day free trial. So you can definitely give it a go and make your mind up later. It's super freaking easy peasy. And yeah, these guys are just making access to information a lot more, uh, reachable, like reducing barriers and making sure it's easy for everybody to kind of use these tools. But yeah, if you're into it, you can head to their website, www.onxmaps.com, and you can use our discount code out of bounds for 20% off the premium subscription. And like I said, they've got that seven-day free tile so you can run away from commitment. Tally ho, No, before you go, my dude, safety looks good on you. Tori, in the absence of fire alarms, (laughs) nobody listening to this is going to know what we're talking about, but the first recording was, you know, really exciting. Yes, it got hot in here. Yes, hot takes, fire alarms were going off, but do you want to just introduce yourself quickly to everybody? Tell them, you know, who you are, ABCs, all that jazz. Sure.
1: Um, So my name is Tori Brooks. I live in the Northeast in the U.S., um, New Hampshire-based, but I do a lot of adventuring all around the Northeast. I am a skier and a general, uh, I guess, outdoorsy human. I like being outside. So in the warmer months, I rock climb and trail run and just generally try to spend time outside. And then I work as an engineer as my day job, Um, you know, to pay for all gear to do the fun things. In so yeah, that's kind of the ABCs of me.
0: You forgot to mention you had a cat. Like in the first oh, yeah. week that we did, that was the oh, best yeah, yeah. part. That, was important. that is very important.
1: Um, I am a proud cat owner. <laughs> Half the people of this podcast just started off. Like, nope. Uh, yes, I have a black cat. Um, I'm a strong believer that the black cats are not bad luck. Uh, I would love a dog, but I travel far too much for that to happen. (laughs) So maybe one day.
0: (laughs) Someone should put like, you know, like you need that on a sticker. Like I love love my black cat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, just I love my cat. Yeah, that's a sticker. Um, Actually, I used to have a magnet that was like, I love my cat. And I used to sneak it onto my boyfriend's car all the time because he actually really doesn't like cats. They're now best friends, I used to like whenever he wasn't watching, sneak in his car. So we'd drive around town with a I "I love my cat" sticker. Riceless.
0: Yeah, my my boyfriend totally like not about cats, but he has like a phobia of kitchen things. I don't know why. Like for a long time, he only had like four. <laughs> like like polarized end, but he has like everything is minimalist. He doesn't own a cheese grater, like does not want an excessive amount of kitchen things and everything he owns is either black white or gray and I wanted to get like a tea mug because I like a big ass mug for tea specific needs and I found like this bright mustard yellow one and I picked it up and I bought it purely despite him. To but I mean you house. don't use it it's your mug. Well I just <laughs> it was nice. so funny to me because I was like he's going to hate this and I think it's hilarious <laughs> because it doesn't
1: finish. you need that you need that back and forth a little
0: bit I know but he hides it he hides (laughs) it in the cupboard above his his fridge so nobody sees it so it's not like clashing with his aesthetic priceless little things you know
1: harder to hide a cat to not clash with your aesthetic so that's true yeah it's just yeah freeloader
0: freeloader who lives in your house without rent? That is a trend on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Can <laughs> confirm. Yep.
2: It Indra, were you gonna talk?
0: Sorry, I couldn't tell because you were unmuting. <laughs> no.
2: I wasn't. I had nothing to add. <laughs>
1: She's just scared of the minute she unmutes and her fire alarm starts going. Yeah, on. <laughs> exactly. I'm living in perpetual fear now. Traumatized. <laughs>
2: no maybe I'm just gonna leave myself off mute because I feel like I have my power back now now I can do whatever I want (laughs) we can
0: yes. yeah
1: don't let them live let make you live in fear
0: (laughs) man okay totally side note and then we'll talk skiing stuff have you guys ever had an eye twitch that lasts for multiple weeks uh yes I think that
1: was all of college
2: do you have a stress related thing
1: oh yeah totally yeah and I was really bad about like wearing my glasses and just <laughs> generally doing the things to avoid it and probably over-caffeinated, but yes. It's a, your mind would change. On. Like it wasn't always the same one.
0: Yeah. This one, it's been better today. Like not popping off as hard, but then it just like started firing again. I was like, is there a point I should go to the doctor? Should I start Googling symptoms? Probably not. Not recommended. Just eat a banana, right? That's like a cure for Potassium? Everybody. Yeah. Is you know,
1: that supposed to help? Well, it helps with cramps. And I feel like eye twitches are like a similar
0: twitch effect of the body. I just added potassium. Eat a banana, <laughs> bitch. <to my> notes. <laughs> so, yep. Okay. I will try that. It's so like it twitches and it just like makes me lose focus. I'm at one point. Or you're like, you're convinced that everyone is watching it no one else notices, but you're like, Everyone's thinking I'm having like a breakdown right now. Oh man, I was looking in the mirror at one point and I was like, I can't see it happen. And then there was this massive one that like almost closed my lid. It was like, oh, I was like, oh my God. Okay, or people so- think you're just winking at them. I, just, I can't I actually just wink just that keep eye. Winking. <laughs> Nobody could see me trying to wink. Um. Anyways. Wow. I feel like it's Tuesday and we were just on a vibe. Indra, do you have a beverage? Cause I have a glass of wine. Tori has a beer.
2: <laughs> I freaking wish. Oh my goodness. I'm going to get beers after this though. So I'll I make was drinking tea for part one, but no, I feel like it's, it's beer worthy.
0: I have so many liquids. I've got tea, wine and water. <laughs> Elixirs Hydrate. of life. Yeah, exactly. Elixirs of life. Um, Anyways, uh, so I feel like that was like, I feel like we have a lot to touch on with that intro because that was like such a surface level skim. (laughs) I was trying to
1: keep it sweet and short.
0: It was sweet and short. You nailed it. (laughs) I think we also had like with the second intro, it was kind of like take two. Let's get into it. Um, But one thing you mentioned before is that like you grew up ski racing and that there's this kind of hush hush culture on the the northeast where it's like you're talking about setting goals like talking about setting goals and maybe like the the more like influencer kind of media side of being a skier is not as like approached there is that the right way to look at it yeah i think well
1: i think there's a couple of different ways to look at it so um yeah i grew up ski racing and that was how i skied a lot um i did i had the opportunity to get into ski touring uh through my mom actually when i was a teenager but it was always a side thing and i was a ski racer for the longest time uh moved out to colorado to be a ski racer and then when i stopped ski racing um combination of burnout and injury which is a common story (laughs) uh i moved back east to go to college and started exploring this other side of skiing um, with more backcountry more touring more like kind of steep skiing and um, these other sides of it and i never really saw it as something that i guess i think partially because on the east coast you know you post something and everyone's always like oh, it's so much bigger out west so i think there's just not as much of that like uh, influencer culture but also I think I was always intimidated to share too much because of this kind of like being humble. You don't like say things before you do them or um kind of culture that there is, which I think in some ways can be positive in a way because it kind of takes some pressure off of like this need to constantly be like, This is what I who this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. But it can also be hard because I feel that. Be kind of limiting from like a community standpoint. So when I started backcountry skiing more and getting more into that side of things, um, I kind of started sharing a little bit more too. I had a friend who encouraged me to start like make my Instagram profile not private and you know start kind of reaching out to people outside of my circle, and um, it was really positive for me and it was a really cool thing to be able to like meet new people and get to know new people and to be able to share some of my objectives and goals, um, which in the past I'd always seen as kind of this thing you keep to yourself or between your like close friends Um, and learning how much support can come from that and how inspiring that can be and also, you know, I was inspired by so many other people sharing their goals and objectives right and that kind of feeling of like oh like they can do it like maybe I could do something like that too and so now as I'm sharing more like kind of being part of that just stoke is is fun it's definitely it's different intimidating sometimes (laughs) okay
0: (laughs) I would love to know or like Indra I feel like you being like Whistler Squamish and I'm like kind of like the Rockies like I feel like here it's like if it's not on the gram it didn't happen like everybody is so share everything all the time
2: like or if it's not on strava it didn't yes. happen
0: yes so it's I'm like yeah
2: that. i'm a Strava
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's also how i like find where what conditions are like everywhere. yeah fair enough strava. and i'm like oh i mean they speed it so it must be it <laughs> yeah everyone's I, now going on their Strava and seeing if I've been stalking them all season for their skiing but I probably <laughs> have been so
0: <laughs> that's okay yeah I think that's that's interesting because I feel like Whistler that whole area and then like this entire area is very like put it on the gram, and even people that are not sharing it to like work with brands or um, with that goal it's still like so curated and specific and kind of a tool it's a weird part of ski culture social media is a weird part of ski ski culture so it's interesting to hear that you were kind of on the other side of that and then entered like later on and have had a really positive experience
1: yeah i was definitely
0: nervous about it cuz
1: i don't know you know you're putting yourself out there it's like very vulnerable you're like here this is what i'm doing and um but to be honest like i feel like a lot of the concerns i had you know like I mean, I am by no means like, I would not call myself an influencer, but <laughs> in the sense of like, you know, you have those concerns, right? Somebody's gonna like say, oh, like, what do you, you don't have business being there, or, you know, you're not uh, proficient in some way. And to be honest, outside of like, you know, your typical random troll, I, really haven't seen that. It's been mostly support. I've heard a lot of like, hey, I saw you doing this. Like, that's really cool. Like it made me want to go and try something like that. Or um, a lot of people reaching out with like questions, like the amount of girls I get who (laughs) message me and they're like, hey, like I'm thinking about this, you know, ski or like I want to go try backcountry for the first time. Like, is this a good place for me to like go try that has been really cool. Um, Definitely something I did not like account for in deciding to (laughs) start sharing more. So it's been cool. It's been a, it's been an interesting journey.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's super, that's so cool. And like, I don't know about you, but I also feel like during the pandemic, Instagram was such a tool for connection. Like, I feel like the majority, a lot of my friends today and a lot of my friends that are based in like where I live um, are people that I met on Instagram from like having an open profile. I've also never had a private profile. So I'm like, whoa, what does that change? What does that feel like? Um, but yeah, it like because of that, like just seeing what other people are up to, learning from them, getting beta from folks, like seeing that somebody bikes and then just being like, want to go for a ride sometimes and just like putting yourself out there. I also feel like it's a really cool tool that um, I don't, I don't know about you, but I definitely used it as like a social. Oh, yeah. Make new friends tool Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, even I think yesterday I posted a thing.
1: I was like, oh, there's this trail running series in May. Like, is anyone else doing it? Like, I would love to see a familiar face, you know? And it's like funny because if I see somebody there, like I might never have actually met them. But because I already Mm -hmm. have some connection on Instagram, it's like, oh, cool. I get to walk into this trail series. And like, maybe I do know a couple of people there instead of that
0: intimidating, just like showing up and.
1: Hi I want to be my friend
0: <laughs> yeah I actually like the concept of meeting people that you follow on Instagram is interesting because you can have like mutuals like you follow each other so you're engaging. and I do have like a bunch of people I've met in the ski community from that. But I remember like there's this one um artist in Calgary that I was following and I love his stuff, love watching his stories like think he's dialed. and I was at an event with like an ex-boyfriend a couple years ago and I was like, oh, that's this guy. Like, I really love his stuff. I've never met him in person, though. And he was like, why don't you go up and tell him you love his stuff? And it's nice to meet him. I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, that's weird. It's yeah. like, you don't know me. I don't know you. But I'm just here to tell you that I follow you on the gram. And like, I guess I kind of know who you are. And he was like, <laughs> he made I've a... definitely done that. Right? <laughs>
1: but I, did, like I didn't know how to like... them, But
0: I, yeah. I don't want
1: a fangirl, but I kind of am anyways. So I might as well walk up and... <laughs>
0: Yeah. You know? But he made a good point. It's like, you can walk up and just say like, Hey, like I follow you on the ground. Like, I really like your stuff. Just want to say like, keep killing it. Like that's, I that's something that would probably make, I'd get really awkward when I get compliments. I say thank you with a Western accent and finger guns. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> but I like, you totally can walk up and start to build those connections in person too. Because sometimes like, I don't know, I got so many followers through over the last like year, that I don't even know who's following me anymore, and that makes me feel weird in a way.
1: Yeah, like you don't I know who's the following. The first me. time somebody <laughs> came up to me it was very weird. It was like you know, in the parking lot at a trailhead that like everyone is skiing out of to go ski tucks, and um, it was like super positive. Is you know, a younger kid, and he was with his dad. His dad was like encouraging. He was like, "Yeah, like goes And it turns out that I like kind of work with his dad in the town that I live in and like my job and then that his son had been like following me and seeing some of the steep skiing I had been doing and yeah at the moment I was like uh like (laughs) this friend you know I don't I don't know how to approach the situation but it was so like positive and kind of cool Um, yeah so I try to remember that when I'm like fangirling somebody I'm like not that weird just go say hi
0: (laughs) yes definitely it's like Yeah, it it is weird. You know, the best fangirl moment I got, um, there's these girls, uh, I skied with them a couple of times, but they had womb Tang stickers everywhere, like on helmets, skis, everything. And I got on the chairlift with them and we were just talking. And then when we got off, they were like, oh, so we need to let you know that we're a huge fan of Fig. I was like, what? Fig's my dad's cat that I post on my story all the time. They're like, Fig is the best. She's the best cat in the whole wide world. And I was like, And I called my dad and I was like, Figs Got Fans. He's like, damn it. I knew we should have started an Instagram for her. (laughs) I was just like, oh my
1: God. That's hilarious.
0: (laughs) So you never know. (laughs) It's just, you know, internet is a wild place. (laughs) It is a wild place. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But I think what Indra pointed out that it's like through the pandemic, it became a space to connect with people. And there's actually a lot of research about that too. I work in marketing and um, the way that people started to use social media through the pandemic, like they expect more of a raw, authentic experience. So sharing your goals, like what you're struggling with, not having as much of like a curated feed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, That became like a really big trend and TikTok led the way with it too. Like TikTok is very uh, unmanicured, uncurated. It's like raw, honest stories, connecting people and, um, it can be a huge tool to build community. And we saw examples of that with Womtang, right. And increasing access to information, not gatekeeping, making sure everybody's safe. So social media can be hello, weird and uncomfortable, but it can also be a really, really powerful tool to connect people. Yeah. I love how
1: open a lot of people are about like asking questions. Um, you know, I, I think. Yeah, anyone in most of these spaces like where I can be a bit of like a gearhead like you know I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out what works for me or um you know and I think it's so cool when girls message me or you know and even if I don't have an answer even if I'm like st- I haven't used that I don't know but like oh I have a friend who does you know like get shoot her a note um it's cool how open people are about that because I don't know what other avenue there always is for that. Um, I mean, there's you know, community groups, I guess, is really the only other place I can think where people really have that. But you have to know where to find that community group rather than just kind of stumbling across somebody on Instagram and being like, oh, I bet this person knows.
2: <laughs> mm. It's cool. totally. And Tori, for you, what kind of like led you to putting yourself out there more and opening yourself up more to that dialogue and to that possibility of community yeah I think
1: uh I have to give a lot of credit to one of my good friends he we were on a really long drive to um a big ski objective one day and he was like grilling me as to why I wasn't <laughs> he's kind of like social savvy though so he was like I don't understand like why wouldn't you like want to post stuff you're doing I'm like that's not that I don't want to I just I don't know you know you have to kind of break down your own like persona of yourself and." um then I kind of honestly partially came from like oh what do I have to lose I had been coaching uh athletes for ski racing for a while at that point um and they knew that I you know was doing backcountry skiing and stuff on the side but um he made a really good point about being like you know there are people who might look up to you and like they might want to see that kind of stuff um and he's totally right because <laughs> I have, you know, I have uh, kids from the ski team who like show up with the touring setup and they're super excited about it now. And it's like really rad to see. So yeah, I would honestly say it wasn't like a huge shift. It was kind of just one day I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. And then, you know, now like a year later and I have a website. So that really <laughs> took a hard right turn.
2: Yeah. So I was going to say what came first, the the Instagram publicity or the uh or the the website and can you tell us more about the website
1: yeah uh definitely the Instagram um <laughs> publicity sorry
2: just yeah I was trying to say like <laughs> making it public and then the word publicity came yeah. to mind but it's <laughs> like not what quite I right <laughs> um, but publication <laughs> I don't know I you get
1: point. the point I'd probably be mortified yeah. um, but uh I started with Instagram and then a couple in the sense of uh, like kind of making it public and sharing some more of the stuff I wanted to do. And then I did an event um, here on the East coast that has now kind of blown up that last gear standing event where you go up and down the mountain, like until somebody gives up. So I did that two years ago. And when I went to go do the event, I was like, Oh, I'd like to raise some money for this. And so I was raising money for protect our winters and share winter um, foundation. And it was like, a, you know, I'm going to try to do this many laps and if people will donate per lap. And I ended up like, like doubling my fundraising goal, like very quickly. Um, and had like a total blast just with the whole thing was really surprised on how excited people were about it. And, um, when I did the event, I think I had, you know, I had set a goal for myself a certain amount of laps and I didn't end up doing that like I ended up doing like two less laps than my initial goal and my first thought when I like finished the event was like crap like I made this goal public right of like I want to do this many and I like didn't achieve that like that was just my first kind of thought but then in the days after the event the amount of people who came up and were like that was so cool like asking questions about the event, asking questions about the things I was fundraising for, the amount of money that, um, like, even after the event that people were like, oh, like, I'd love to, like, donate more, send you, um, like, is your page still open? And I very quickly realized that no one cared about those, like, two laps. Like, that was just me. Um, It was the kind of experience and, like, sharing that that people cared about and raising money. And um, so that was kind of when I was first, like, oh, like, this is kind of cool. Uh, And I had a bunch of goals that I knew that I wanted to achieve. But, you know, I I think until you can like, really say them out loud. It's like, I was too scared, I think, to commit to a lot of them. And then um, the combination of doing that event and these other goals that I had, I was like, Oh, how can I kind of like, do the same thing, you know, use these goals to raise some money for things and even if I don't achieve the end goal like the process along the way is still rewarding and still doing all the things that um, were so positive about that kind of first trial um so I started this website that it's called summit for something and it's just like a small fundraising platform essentially um so I have a bunch of goals and as I achieve them people pledge money um And that money goes to the specific, uh, nonprofits that are tied to each goal. Um, and it just kind of goes on. (laughs) So, I mean, my, my like big thing, I'd really love to raise a hundred thousand dollars just for different charities, like over kind of my life of adventuring. Um, and it's been really positive since I've gotten nothing but people being really supportive and it's been really cool. And the outreach from people, the support, the amount of people who are like, Oh, like I also am doing that. Like we should get out and do that peak together or do that line together. It's been really cool. So yeah, that's been going on. I think, I think I've had that website for a year now.
2: That's really cool. It's like such a great invitation for people to, connect with you in whichever way is accessible for them, whether that be congratulating you on Instagram or pledging money for one of your objectives or joining you, like just being able to put yourself out there and put out into the world and community, what you want to get up to. It really invites people to like come along and have a stake in that journey with you.
1: Yeah. It's been cool. And I, I too, Didn't realize how much seeing other people set goals allows you to do it. Um, And the amount of people who have come up to me and told me, like, oh, like, that's really cool. I'd love to do that too, is so rad. (laughs) Because, you know, some of them are like pretty big, some of them aren't. Like, one of them is the um, New Hampshire 48. There's 48, 4,000 footers um, in New Hampshire. And, you know, I grew up here, I am outdoorsy, and I just had never done it. And so one of my goals is just like, I want to go out and do that. Like, it's not anything like crazy or grand, but it's important. Um, It's where I live. And so like the amount of people who
0: are like, oh, what peaks do you have left? And then they go out and do it too. It's really cool. I think also like creating space to celebrate people's accomplishments. Like I did this... um, Mm. This like it, it looks at what your your core values are or like parts of your personality. And it was like to people refer to you as modest. And I was like, I used to like try to be modest, but I don't really believe in being modest because like if my friend's killing it or somebody reaches a goal, I think you should celebrate it. And like I don't think it's bad to talk about like what you've done, what you're proud of, um, and like making sure that you create a space where people can celebrate what each other has done, no matter the magnitude of it. Like it doesn't have to be this super grandiose thing, like small wins are still wins, right? And it's like, it's about the journey and the progress. And like, I know that, you know, like my first experience is even something as simple as going to like, I went to this, like, random super small forest music festival in tofino it was just like we drove out into the forest and it was just like this dope little setup and then it rained and it was just like i don't know it's this super unique experience for me and i remember i posted about it on social media and somebody i worked with at the time was like why are you so stoked about this it's not that big of a deal and i was yeah. just like <laughs> it was my first time and isn't that what social media is for and then I remember another point, this girl in Fernie, I remember having this thought at one point about my social media. I was like, my social media is only going to be for sharing adventure stories from now on. Like I had that thought, which is so wild. And then she commented on it after knowing her for about like nine months. She was like, yes, yeah, so you just like post yourself on social media. Hey. And in my head again, I was like, isn't that what it's for? I was like,
2: what the fuck is going
0: on? So I think like those like assessments of social media and like, creating a space where you can celebrate each other's wins, no matter how big they are is huge.
1: Yeah. For me, I always like to say like, cause it's hard <laughs> not to get in the trap, right. Of like this, like curated cause it's what we see so often is, you know, like what does that page look like? But we're all more multifaceted than that and our lives all have so many different aspects to it. So I like to just think of it as, you know, I post what I'm excited about and yeah, a lot of times that is doing rad stuff in the mountains, because that's what makes me excited, which is why I go and do it. But sometimes it's not sometimes it's something at work, or it's my cat being weird, or it's, you know, and I don't, I try not to, you know, think too much about like what people are taking from that, because that's not the point of my social. Yeah, they are gonna see, right? Like, I'm, I'm a huge advocate of like, if you don't, you know, want to see things on somebody's page, then you don't need to follow them like that. It is a very easy solution. (laughs) Like I am like I'm the biggest. And if you know, and at different times, too, like I have nothing against people want to follow me sometimes. And then like maybe they want to follow me in the winter to you know, stock ski conditions and then they unfollow me all summer, like whatever, like as long as they're getting what they want to get out of it, then
0: great. (laughs) You do you. Also, like, trolls needs to, like, they don't even, I got a really weird one a couple weeks ago, maybe, like, two weeks ago. But the need to comment when you're not, doesn't bring anything to the table. Yeah. Like, just because you just, like, who pooped in your cornflakes? Like, why did you just, like, wake up and you're like, you know what, I'm going to leave this comment to ruin this person's day because fuck them. I'm like, wow. Well, <laughs> to be honest, I think that that was part of, um
1: like me for the longest time, not really wanting to be really on social a lot was like two parts. One was this like, oh, I wanna come across as like, like we were saying like kind of modest and like humble. And I don't want people to think that I think that I'm like this crazy athlete who can like do whatever she wants and stuff. But at the same time, I was also, and still am like kind of terrified of social media because of what the internet can be. Like, I I always have a running joke with my friends, like, that, like waking up, those, like, stories of somebody, like, you wake up and they just have, like, a million more followers, like, sounds like an, like, actual nightmare. I'm like, oh, my God, (laughs) that is terrifying. So I think there's a balance in it all. Um, But, yeah, I think, you know, sharing experiences and just hoping that the right people get the positive out of what they want out of it. And if it's not the right place for somebody, then that they find
0: another place that is. (laughs) I feel like Indra and I don't know our flow yet. (laughs) (laughs) I keep like, I know like, uh, since this is our first interview together, I know Renee and I will like put our microphones off. And then if Renee like, like takes hers off of mute, I'm like, okay, she's going to talk. Or then like i'll take mine off of you and she'll like mute hers again it's kind of like it's like stamping like the i'm gonna answer yeah. thing in a game show <laughs> but that's okay we'll figure out the flow um just have some intimate silences in between to ponder the responses <laughs> um, it'll make
1: me feel like all my answers are, are very deep yeah (laughs) wow I got them on that one
0: (laughs) do you think there's any aspect of like being a like a chick and holding space on like female identifying and holding space on Instagram like I know that I felt that a lot like Renee and I would send each other the photos that we wanted to share before we would share them and it'd be like no no your form doesn't look good here or like you shouldn't do this one because it's like not exciting enough or like you know like if you're an underrepresented group in a specific like subculture or community, it can often affect the way that you try to present.
1: Yeah, (laughs) Um, definitely. I mean, yes and no. So it's funny because, uh, you know, I'm in a lot of, you know, I work in structural engineering, which is another field that (laughs) looks very similar to ski culture. Um, And, so I spend a lot of my time kind of in these realms that are pretty male dominated, um, you know, a lot of like, not a lot of, especially in where I live in New Hampshire, really not a lot of diversity. Um, and it can be frustrating because you, everything you say is from that perspective of like, it's being said by the woman engineer or the ski girl you know rather than just a skier or a engineer um and so it kind of feels like you have to be so much more careful about what you do say um and you know like what you wear and how you look and i've dealt with that in my career um now i've gotten to the point where i'm like look i'm gonna wear what i want to wear as long as it's work appropriate because I'm not hiding the fact that I'm a woman engineer versus a male engineer if I wear a polo. Like that's not changing things. <laughs> so and I, I've started to have the same approach. Um skiing's a little easier for me because I've been doing it for so long and coming from that ski racing culture, I'm kind of a, I I think I care a little bit less in the sense of I'm like, look, I'm doing this for fun. I like like challenging myself in the mountains. And that's not really about my form or what you think about what I'm wearing or how I go about it. Um, but I do feel that way on the safety side of things for sure. Um, you know, when it comes to backcountry skiing and, uh, safety and terrain and avalanche terrain. And, um, I, I have felt like maybe I put more pressure on myself because, you know, that classic, like, she's got no business being up there or, um, you know, and it can be really frustrating because, you know, sometimes I look around and I'm like, I'm just as confident as a skier and in my avalanche education and in like how seriously I take safety with my partners and everything to be in these places as anybody else. But that's not always the lens it's looked at um, when it's taken out of context, right? And people on Instagram don't know that, but they don't always give you the benefit of the doubt and that can be the hard part. Um, But I think that's where, you know, having good people around you comes into a big part. I've been feeling like I've gotten really lucky in the last couple of years of finding, uh, partners to do mountain adventures with that. I trust, you know, they're good partnerships, but also I know that they have your back. Um, you know, I've had times coming down, like I'll be skiing. this one day I was up, um, kind of in this somewhat, eh, not super popular, but somewhat popular, area on at washington and it was kind of a it was a weird day snow pack wise and we went up and stuff was just moving more than we would have liked and so it was uh, myself and two of my friends one was a female and one was male and we didn't like how the snow was looking so we're like oh whatever we're not going to ski it but we're going to dig a pit just to see what things look like maybe learn something along the way so we dig a pit find some interesting things we're skiing out at the end of the day and we pass somebody skiing out and they stop us and they're like oh how to it look up there like what do you think you know doing the typical talking but they were only talking to like my male skiing friend like just just unaddressing the other two human beings that were skiing down like and you know we're in the same gear we're like all like we're three ski partners <laughs> and uh, this is just to say a lot about like, uh, this ski partner, he looks at him dead in the face and goes, I don't know, ask them, they dig- dug the pit and he just skied away and the guy's face was just like, oh, you know, and those are the moments where it's like, I, at some point I get, I'm not going to, it's not my responsibility to really teach everybody who says something like that, you know, what is wrong with their approach. But something as easy as that from another partner, um, being an ally in that scenario, was like the biggest teaching moment ever. You know, because that guy, that was just all assumptions on his part.
2: Um, yeah, and probably so unconscious too. Like that is—he
1: had no idea, probably, yeah. until my guy friend was just like, "Dude, check yourself." Like, yeah,
2: yeah, <laughs> is, that's like a hindsight of twenty-twenty.
1: Doing like,
2: yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And that's just like totally what plagues so many of these spaces entirely is these like unconscious biases when you just see somebody who looks like everything that represents the industry or represents the space and you expect them to be the be all, know all. And then everybody else is just like a student to that person. And it just like continues to perpetuate harm and and withholds these like systems of perceived power in these spaces too and it just fucking sucks to be on the receiving end of that to just be the girl and be like dude again like really but your friend was dope in that situation and that's like such a testament of allyship just to kind of like gently toss it back at that person and offer them an invitation to reconsider their question and Mm -hmm. re-ask the question to the people who actually know the answer (laughs)
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's important to like, you know, really give praise or praises to you for those people because that moment was so much more powerful, you know, unfortunately than maybe if I had said something. Um, and you know, I, I, I like to do a balance. I think that learning can't come from a defensive a lot of times and that's shitty sometimes because sometimes it's warranted for you to be like, Hey, yo, like that's not cool. Sometimes you just have to be a little bit more tactful with that. Um, Whether, you know, it's real or not to have to do that. But I do, you know, like kind of back to what Tori was saying about, you know, with Instagram, being careful about kind of what I post. Yeah, I definitely have that on the safety side, I think, because that's where I tend to see it the most. Um, You know, I've been in avalanche courses and been like the only chick for sure. Uh, But it's, I think it's getting better. I think younger generations are better about it. Um, You know, I have in general, most of the people that I'm around skiing with, I think are, are pretty aware uh, of that dynamic and that's half the battle (laughs) really. And being able to have conversation with your partners about that um, I think is huge. And, you know, if somebody's Doing that, then, like, you don't need to give them the time of the day. Like, not a times I get there's so in uh, Tuckerman Ravine, which is kind of one of the iconic spots in the Northeast for backcountry skiing, gets really popular, gets really busy in the spring. And uh, I actually kind of try to avoid it in the spring because of that. But uh, you get out to this one point, it's called Hojo's, it's like this little caretaker's hut, essentially, and people collect there, right? And so I'll come up there maybe to do that objective or different objectives. And, you know, you get the random person who's like, uh, oh, like you up there, like, do you have the right tools? And I, you want to like look around and be like, well, are you asking everyone this? Like, and then you have the time you look them. Like you don't have the proper like safety, you know, like I don't see like avalanche gear or anything that you maybe should have. And. You know, it's hard not to want to just, in that moment, kind of get fired up, but I've learned ways to just kind of be like, yep, got the tools for the job, and then just ski away. <laughs> and just, you know, when they see you shredding later, like, they'll figure it out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the ski industry, it's getting there, but we got a ways to go. It's getting there. (laughs) I think um, like a common theme in your journey is like reaching a barrier and then overcoming it. And I kind of want to step back to like your ski racing days because that is such a structured space to exist in. And then it's interesting because I feel like like with ski racing, it's very goal oriented. It's very like learning. You need to learn how to make fast decisions and choosing your line all that kind of stuff. So then to go through that burnout and then to choose skiing for yourself, but then it seems like, you know, did did growing up ski racing in such a structured environment affect your ability with or your interest in goals and how you approach goals as an adult? Cuz it sounds like you had to get over that hump again.
1: Yeah, I think a little bit. I think, you know, there's a lot of intensity in ski racing and that intensity becomes so normalized you know, like I remember when I stopped ski racing, like I took a gap year and it was a serious culture shock for me about being like, oh, like everything doesn't need to be literally 70 miles per hour down like an ice luge. Like it can, you know, you can take your time making choices or not have like nationals in your brain for six months of the year that you're like working towards and figure it out as you go a little bit more. And I think it definitely did. um, You know, who knows how much of it was formed because I grew up ski racing and was formed just for my personality type. But, you know, I went and (laughs) went into school for engineering and that's pretty similar. (laughs) So I I do think that like part of it is probably a little bit of a personality thing. But uh, then as I got more into backcountry skiing and, you know, it's a lot more like, choose your own adventure. And that's the beauty of it. And you can make it whatever you want. If you want to go wiggle in the woods on low angle, it's like, just as fun as skiing steep stuff for whoever you are, like, it's whatever you want to do with it. And I think that was a big breath of fresh air for me. Um, Because I was like, Oh, choose your own adventure. Like, imagine that. And then uh, when I did start setting goals, I actually think that that was part of my hesitation is not getting sucked back into that, like being a slave to the goals, Um, not seeing it as succeeding in that goal is success and not doing that goal is failure and seeing it more as here's a goal that I have, but, you know, and it sounds cliche, but the like journey to get there is what I'm after, not, the end goal. Um, and when I decided to post like my goals on my website, I wanted to be really clear about that. So I actually kind of wrote on there, it's a piece, um, called the vulnerability of goals. And it's literally just talking about like, these are kind of the rules I've set for myself with these goals. And it's essentially that I, the goal can't come first. Um, if I get halfway down one of them and decide it's no longer serving its purpose, which is, helping me have fun and grow as a human being and hopefully do some good along the way, then it can change, you know, I can decide to not continue doing that. Um, And that's just as much success as if I get to the end and finish it. Um, And that's been, you know, it's a catch 22 because, because it doesn't matter. It's almost like that motivation is more pure and you're just excited to go out and do them. Um, and it also like, you know, some of my goals are, if you went at them too fast, could be dangerous. You know, you have to be aware of pushing yourself too hard and making not great choices because of that. Um, whether that's for yourself or for your safety and terrain or whatever that may be. And so not having that pressure, I think is really important to me. Um, you know, I, 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 I think there's this tendency of like, oh, you're a type A person and you have like goals or you're a type B person and you're just like doing as you go. And I just don't think it's that black and white and that most humans are very much on a spectrum between A and B. Um, There's probably very few people who are truly only one and different aspects of your life. You're going to treat differently too. Um, The way I approach my work is different than the way I approach my skiing. And I think that's important. So Yeah, I think, you know, yes, I think ski racing probably probably led to some of the more adventure intense activities that I tend to enjoy now, but I don't think that it, um, I think it actually taught me how you can have really concrete goals and high level of achievable. And that doesn't mean that it always correlates to a lot of happiness or success in life. Right, they're not mutually
0: exclusive. <laughs> I also want to add worth to the end of that, like internalized yeah. ableism.
1: Hmm. Um. Yeah. I mean, to like be completely frank with you, I used to put so much pressure on myself with ski racing, and I really thought that it was going to be, you know, my end all. And um, I put so much effort into it, and you know, I I didn't really make it that far like to be completely brutally honest like I just did it you know um and I mean I I'm very like proud of myself for the work and effort I put in and for what I did do but it's not like I was you know on top of podiums and making the ski team at all and you know I stopped because I blew my knee a third time and finally my brain kicked in and was like are you happy Question mark. And I realized that maybe I wasn't. Um, and, you know, sometimes you've got to do it the hard way to learn that. Uh, but I wouldn't go back on the experience. Maybe I would have, like, you know, wished I could have learned that, like two knee surgeries before that. But <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it takes a while.
0: <laughs> I've got a tattoo above my busted knee that says not broke, just bent in really bad <laughs> handwriting. So permanent reminder to chill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, that's like my body and also me as a person. Just yeah. Bent, you know, not, not broken, broken, just weaving through life. Um, yeah. I, I love, I think what you said about goals and what you wrote and the vulnerability of goals is like, that was probably the most powerful aspect of this podcast and it like really resonated with me because it's removing those judgment factors from the conversation of goals right it's like you have to perform at a certain level you have to reach this goal you have to do this and like it's that is so detrimental to your well-being at the end of the day like a lot of pressure (laughs) it is I was like like going into university like honor roll 3.9 GPA scholarship for academic achievement and like the pressure on myself to perform in everything and do everything perfectly and right because those were the rules it's like you have to do this and then like my journey in therapy and doing like dialectical behavioral therapy and like understanding what my actual values are like who I am and unpacking some of that internalized ableism like when I, I failed a class in a this last semester and I was supposed to graduate and now I have to retake a class in the spring, but I failed the class and I didn't tell anybody. Like I Mm -hmm. I didn't tell my boyfriend. I didn't tell my parents. I was like just kind of processing it myself. But I had this like deep feeling of just like acceptance that I chose myself over my success and over my goal. And it was like, you know, like I did the best that I could. I wasn't able to complete that class and like, there were other barriers and like, it's not a determinant of my worth where I've had like full meltdowns, like crying at school before when I like handed a paper in late. So mm-hmm. I was going to lose 20%. And it's, uh, I told my therapist, I was like, you're the first person I'm telling. And she was like, I don't like using judgment words, but I'm fucking proud of you for failing that class and being okay with it. And I was like, I love you. She's the yeah, best. Yeah. It's, it's that like theory
1: of, um, It's almost not like doing the hard thing that's important. It's like, do you still like yourself while you're doing the hard thing? (laughs) You know, you might not like yourself for making yourself do it. But, you know, like, can you look at yourself and be like, this is what I want to achieve. Um, And honestly, just like to achieve a lot of hardest things you need, you need to be all in. And you can't be if you're stressed and not fully there and not fully committed to it. Um, and to be quite frank, like, you know, a lot of my um, things, like, require or not require, but well, some of them require, like, literally on the other end of the rope, but they include other friends who are out in the mountains with me. Um, and I take my mountain partnerships pretty seriously um, because you're dealing with safety and friendship and a lot of these factors. And, you know, you, it's a lot more fun to be out with somebody when (laughs) they're having fun. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think we've all been like out in that situation where it's like, you know, somebody's Oh, I really wanted to do this. And like, we can't do that. And like the whole day is done. And I just have always for myself, like if there's one thing I want to take pride in, it's just being able to like have fun no matter what the scenario is, you know, even if it's like turn around with your tail between your legs and, going and having a mimosa and brunch and stuff <laughs> like whatever that's still a day and uh learn something along the way and yeah i think you know that
2: it's like redefining failure in the end like what yeah. is yeah What is? okay i mean before we wrap up i have one question for you because i am very much aligned in 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 this idea that goals can change objectives can change. You can mm-hmm. wake up the morning of an objective and you're going in a group and there should be a space for somebody in the group to say, "Hey, I'm not feeling good." Because if you're feeling that pressure that you have to go up there and then you get to like the bottom of the objective and you're like, "Well, fuck, like actually no, I'm not good."
0: Then yeah. there's like
2: I've I've been in that position before where I've felt like I've let people down and then by trying to be honest and saying like I'm actually not there today. And then people agree to not do it. And then they get mad.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's always going to be like, (laughs) like whenever you're in the mountains with somebody, right? Like you're constantly balancing expectations and how much people want things. And um, at the end of a lot of things, like it takes two to tango or like you just need for safety reasons, multiple people. But I'm also a like huge believer of, even if it's not like I'm not feeling good, even if it's just like, I feel weird about this, you know, like you're out there and you're looking at the snow and like, yeah, it's not whooping and there's no shooting cracks and nothing's moving, but you're just like, I just don't feel good about it. And you don't say that to your partner or you don't communicate that. And then something happens like that for me, living with that would be harder than me, you know, looking at a partner and be like look I'm just like not in for it and I think that's you know where that like strong friendships and partnerships are and being very clear about like where you are with things the whole way um, I think Mm -hmm. is another thing and there's always going to be like some level of disappointment too and that's just part of it you know there's gonna be times where you're really psyched to do something and your partner's not that into it or you know, you're really excited to do something and like somebody's gear isn't working well, or like there's always gonna be crap. And it can be disappointing, and that's okay. Um, and I think it's just being able to like recover from that, you know, like not yeah. every not every day in the mountains you like come out like smiling and gayly and happy. Um that's the goal, but <laughs> it's not <Yeah>. reality. <laughs> so I think it's just that's that's where like friendship and partnerships really, I think, show themselves and being okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, there's always going to be another day <laughs> to do stuff, but you have, and to, the come, objective you have is to come be there to have another day. Uh, and I think that's actually, you know, that can be the danger of social media sometimes too. If you feel like you want to post something, right? Like I have all these goals and if I, Feel like people expect of me to achieve them at a certain rate or do them being very clear about like, I could go about this a different way, but that's not how I am choosing, you know, like my margin of safety is might be different than another person. So yeah, they might be able to achieve this in this time frame or under these conditions, but that's not how I want to do it. So it's not just the goal, it's how you want to achieve that and what that looks like. Um, that's important to focus on.
0: I just want to say one more thing, the having those good friendships, I think what a lot of people forget about is like communication and friendship is a two way street, right? So a lot of the time, when somebody speaks up, and they're uncomfortable, maybe have to cancel out of plans, onus is put on that person for canceling plans as being like a bad thing, like they're the disappointment, like you should have told us this, then you should have done this. And it's like, like you said, those disappointment feelings are totally valid, like hundred percent valid but like knowing that they are valid but it's not this person's fault like kind of processing them as well and not just projecting them is really important and that's something that actually has helped my my boyfriend and i be able to go on bigger gnarlier missions together because i do have those moments where i'm like i'm not okay or like i don't feel good about this and he would get really upset or he would get like annoyed and like he doesn't like those hard feelings but I'm trying to teach them that bad feelings are temporary. Like Mm -hmm. they're not representative of an entire relationship. They're not representative of a person that you're talking to. Like they are fleeting and it's like, respect them, validate them, feel them. And then like, don't let it kind of cloud into other things or form permanent judgments. Right. Yeah. And And communicating
1: along the way, like, I think, uh, and I think this is actually, you know, part of where, this kind of typical culture, this like more masculine, hardo, go and just do it, buckle up cowboy kind of culture it kind of shoots itself in the foot because then you are in these scenarios where there does have to be somebody who has to say no, right? You, you get to that thing and there has to be like this moment of like like, I'm not doing that. Whereas if you can communicate along the way, I literally just was having this conversation with a friend I was just out West uh, trying to do a couple objectives with, we'd like joke about it as just like observation vomit. Like just as we're going up, it's just, you're just saying whatever's on your mind and it's not giving a lot of weight and it might not make like a difference in the end, but it is important because then the other person knows what's going on. I mean, one of the days we went up and I was, I was just like, I visibility is going to be like this at the top of the bowl. I don't think we should drop in because we're not going to be able to assess snow conditions. And we were both like, she was like, cool, awesome. And that was a mile before we got to the top of the bowl. We got to the top of the bowl. We looked in we were like, eh, looks great. We're going to ski it, you know? So it's not like saying that then is like ixnay on the whole day. and like, you can't have any fun. And it's such an easy way to also keep tabs on your partners and know how they're doing, you know, in the morning, if you wake up and you're like, yeah, I'm just dragging today. You know, I've had days where it was supposed to be a 6 a.m. start and I just wasn't feeling it. <laughs> we got out at 730. You know, I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, it is not
2: in the cards. Like, I got too much going on in my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or if someone's like, like, hey, I need to I want to sit down and, and look, can we talk out the game plan like one more time? Like that person coming forward and saying like, hey, this is what I need it has to be two ways. Like Mm -hmm. as soon as somebody starts like trying to talk me out of something that I'm asking for, then I'm like, oh, this isn't a safe space anymore. It's gone. Mm -hmm. Like the psychological safety and, and anything that I need to put myself at ease right now isn't being met. Those needs aren't being met. I don't feel good. And yeah. so it's just, like, it is, it's It's reciprocal, right? Like, as soon as somebody starts to ask you for something, maybe it's not convenient. But them right. asking you is taking a lot of courage because they probably feel like they themselves are burdening the group. Like, that already feels really shitty. So it's, like, instead of, like, backing out on the entire day, I want to ask what I need for what I need so that we can still make something out of this. And then when those needs aren't being met, it's just, like, it, it erodes so much of that relationship, like yeah. way more. Yeah, I mean,
1: you can't build trust like that. And you need to no. be able to build trust in any of those scenarios. And also, if you can do that along the way, then when you need it later, it's there. Because like I had a situation where I was skiing with somebody and there, uh, she is a great mountaineer, but her ski, backcountry ski experience isn't quite there yet. And she, so she doesn't have a ton of confidence in that. But she has a lot of confidence just being in the mountains. And so we go out skiing and I come from a perspective of being Like very rarely is it the skiing that really scares me. It's normally the other factors of being the mountains that scares me. So, you know, I look at that and I'm like, that's a great partnership. Right. But that requires communication the whole way, because I need to know where she's standing on how she's feeling skiing. And, you know, on like that day, we had been doing a good job of communication. So when she's at the top and she's like worried about dropping in, I know the difference between me being like, No, you can do it, and encouraging her to do it because I know she can, and pushing her outside of her comfort zone because she doesn't feel like she's being listened to, or like because of a concern. It would be different if she was like, "Mm, "I don't feel good about the snow conditions." That is something I wouldn't push. I'd be like, "Okay, that's that is all I need to hear." Her just being like, "I don't know if I can do it," and me being like, "No, I know you can do it," and she totally could, and she was like, "We had a rad day, you know." But you, you, it's the work you have to do before in the beforehand um, is really important. And it's just communication and it's hard because you're right. Being the person to say something is never good. Um, But that's that vulnerability thing,
0: you know, and. For sure. I think it's like really important. Like a good exercise is just to, I had a great conversation with my friend Jess about this because she's starting to unpack internal biases in her mind. And when she's in a situation, she's asking why. Like she catches herself she's like why do i think this of this person or why did i go and try to find this person in this space and that is so crucial and you can also do that with interactions with people it's like why am i assuming this about this person or like why am i having those feelings and i find people a lot of the time are just in like automatic just consciousness where things just are the way that they are and they don't cognitively process anything which is not how my brain works but like for example, I think I use this example in another episode that we did, but um, I'm going into Fairy Meadows Hut on Saturday and there's a big crew of us and everybody that's going are ex-ski racers, minus a couple of people. And the majority of them are like, love to suffer, so fit, like it's going to be Narbar. And there's a couple people that don't have that much experience in the back country, they haven't been ski touring that much and they tried to back out of the trip last minute and everybody else was like, well, no, like she should have gone out more to train more. Like she should have worked harder. Like she might not feel fit, but like, that's not an excuse. And I was like, like, I'm somebody with that group. I'm fast at going downhill, but I'm not fast at going uphill. And I'm always at the back. And even though they don't judge me for it, it's still uncomfortable because nobody takes the time to wait or like consider where I'm at or to like slow down the pace or let me lead. Mm -hmm. Like let me lead. They can be at the back of the pack. Like why do I be the one that's so far behind? And when they were chirping about that. Yeah. But when they were like talking about it, I was like, guys, like I don't think you know what it's like to ski with your group. It's like you all are at the same level
1: and expecting her to
0: catch up, but you're not doing anything to make it more inclusive
1: it's like a bias of themselves. Cause I dealt with that for a while being like, uh, Oh, I was, I'm a ski racer. And like, I used to be hard on myself because I get to the top of lines and I'd be like, why am I nervous? Like I've skied steeper stuff. I've skied harder stuff. Like you're nervous because you're at the freaking top of a line of a gully that's weird snow. And if you were to, you know, shoe your ski down the chute and like, it, it could be bad. Like you should be nervous, you know? And, that was me not being able to look at the scenario, what truly is, which is that we're all flawed human beings with our own issues. And, you know, the minute you think that you've got it all, it's probably the moment that you're going to end up stuck halfway up a gully. So when you're with other people, I think it's like the tale you tell yourself about who you are in that group. If uh, you see yourself as like, Oh, I'm the strong one. Oh, I'm like need to make the decisions. Um, because that's, you know, what society has told you through the narratives of what ski culture is and who those, like, you know, strong people are or because of what you want for yourself. That's where that, like, communication all breaks down. Um, you know, I'm the first one to, like, laugh at myself because I take, like, two hours in a transition. Like, (laughs) there's no reason I should. I do it all the time. But, like, whatever. (laughs) Like, I'm like, oh, just don't mind me over here just like my skins are a mess and um you know and being able to laugh at yourself I think makes everyone else in the group feel so much more comfortable like I do that all the time like sometimes I have to put in check I'm like okay don't self-deprecate just because you want to make others feel comfortable but it's it's important um to have everyone yeah. feel comfortable in your group for um, sure we the story a,
0: oh sorry go ahead yeah, I, that's
1: why having like groups of different people I think are so important like you know you have your main ski partners but it's important to ski with other people it's important to ski with people with different abilities and different backgrounds and you and to learn how every person despite whatever their background is is going to be able to bring something to the table um, for sure
0: yeah I feel like it's
1: not defined by ability level. Very rarely it's personalities and group dynamics almost always.
0: Yes. I wish that was like a copy and paste, like mission statement for everything. And I think (laughs) we will, we will get there, but I feel like the moral of the story from this episode is like, the goal is not the most important thing. It's the people and the person and the self and just to like, take care of yourself and those around you. That's honestly what it comes down to. For sure. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up today, do you want to, uh, just like add any plugs, tell everybody where to find your website. If there's anybody you want to shout out or any final remarks Sure.
1: Uh, on Instagram, you can find me at T Lee ski, which is T L E E S K I. Um, and then my website it's linked on my Instagram, but it's summit, the number four something.com. Um, so you can find Way too too much information about me on those. And then uh, plugs-wise, I've been really lucky to have the sport of Fisher skis this past season, season and a half, and that's been awesome. Um, So shout-out to them because it's always fun to ski on gear you like. And then shout-out to just, you know, all my ski partners and all the people who are in this community doing, you know, having fun and just being themselves And at the end of the day. that's how we make most of the change is just you know keep doing you and I think too uh you know coming out of COVID like Indra was getting at there there's a lot of like connection that's been happening behind the scenes and I think it's important to kind of keep that going um Mm. so when you do see people like you know chirp them up and like Get excited for other people and their
0: goals, too. Um, nothing's competition. We're all just out there trying to have fun. <laughs> Amen. Preach. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tori. And thank you. Yeah. Andrew. This is our first episode. Of- <laughs> <laughs> thank you,
1: ladies. Yeah. Thank you so this much was fun. You. And maybe I'll uh, end up out on your coasts and we can go. I hope so. And go do some shredding.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I will hopefully be making it out to Squamish more slash Whistler area more now that I am not a full-time university student. So we should mm. like rendezvous on that point. Cause Indra and Renee's over there and
1: Ooh, I yeah. would love that.
0: Yes. The good.
1: Sweet. It's a plan.
0: Okay. Sweet. Scheduling Sounds it now. <laughs> thanks for Whither. listening everybody. And thanks Tori and Indra one more time. And we'll see you guys next Monday.